Welcome back to the movie Draft House. It's new year, new pod, new theme. I'm your host, Mark. Same pod. Joined by... What? New year, same pod, new theme, new music. My name's Jeff. Over there, that's Mark. Huh. Anyways. This is the podcast where we draft movies based on a theme set every month. And then we review them, and Mark picks bad movies, I pick good movies, and then we debate. Mm. Well, we don't. That, that's, I don't, that I don't, happens. I don't know if that's all correct. I don't, I don't think you choose good movies either. Wow. I guess. I did not say I chose good movies. I just say I don't think you choose good movies either. Uh, excuse me? Demolition Man? Mm. What do you mean? Hmm. I just, eh, it's meh. All right. Well, who's our music this month? We'll get. Well, well. I have plenty of time here to. Uh, never mind. Just go back and listen to the back catalog, and you'll hear where we hate the each other's taste. Uh, so our music this month to start off the years, uh, by a uh, an artist named Mason Pace. He has a band. It's a self-titled band, obviously, uh, but he has a heavy metal Uh-oh. heavy rock it's a it's not i wouldn't say heavy metal it's heavy rock uh influence uh with the song king of hearts make sure you give uh them a listen and a like and subscribe and a follow on all of their social media all the links will be in the show notes uh be sure to give them some love we appreciate them letting us use their their music on the pod. i can't wait to hear it on thursday when i forget that it's a new month and the music chimes, and I'm like, what the hell am I listening? Oh, it's our podcast. That's yeah. generally how it goes for me. And uh, it's always good music. It's never bad. So, music. Mark, what was this month's theme? Uh, so, this month, we chose Western films. Now, we did not specify whether it had to be Old West or New West. There's just um, things that are assumed most of the time. Uh, when you say West... Uh, We'll get to that I mean, when we are, get to that. Are, are we talking about California? Or are we talking about right? Well, wait. Hawaii? We said is La La I mean, Land and Old West just because it takes place in the West, and West is right. relative, based on east of here. We're in the West, but when you say a Western, yeah, sure. you imagine cowboys, yep. saloons, sure. houses made horses, out of wood, horses maybe, horses big, definitely horses. Cactuses, cacti, um, uh, things of that nature. You know, tumbleweeds. Yeah, guns. Uh, yeah, although I don't. You, this movie didn't have a lot of guns. Didn't have any guns. Yeah, I didn't see any guns. <laughs> we watched Power of the Dog from 2021. Yep. Uh, 2021. It stars Benedict Cumberbatch, who, if you don't know, is just amazing actor. Ignoring this movie. Just forgetting that I've even seen this yet. He's one of the best. Right? I, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's a good actor. I don't, I don't, oh, okay. before this movie. And, and, Not taking uh, Power of the Dog into effect, in, right. into account. I, yeah, no, he's 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 a fine actor. I've, I enjoy most of the stuff he's been in. Oh. I just, I don't think I've ever considered him one of the best ah, okay. actors in Hollywood. Fair enough. Uh, now, after this movie, I think you probably feel different. Yeah, no, the past uh, the past couple of films I've seen him in, uh, <laughs> Spider-Man No Way Home was standing. Um, 
<laughs> the uh, I I think I think he's he's coming into the realize my realization that he is one of the finer actors in Hollywood, and I've known is, it all along is what we're saying. Yeah, sure, but like this this movie does showcase him and his range, and just him as an actor. It uh, it elevated. You're right. It did elevate my opinion of his acting. There we go. Well, it's directed by Jane Campion. It's like champion, champion. without the H. Campion. Campion. Uh, yeah. I'm not the, familiar with any of her work. Um, she doesn't. She doesn't have. So it's been a while since she. It's a lot of romance uh, pictures. Looks like. Uh, it's been a while since she directed a film. Her last film was in 2009. Wow. Bright now star. she did. She did uh, direct the miniseries Top of the Lake, which I don't know if you're familiar with. Not familiar. Um, it starred Elizabeth Moss. She was a, uh, a police officer in New Zealand. It takes place in New Zealand. Jane Campion is a big... I don't know if she's from New Zealand, but a lot of her stuff takes place in New Zealand. This movie was filmed in New Zealand. Yeah, but it the story doesn't take place in New Zealand. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah the story... Because then you're really it. pushing the Old West thing now. Like, if you're going into other countries, <laughs> like, it's the Old West well, of New Zealand. Yeah. So Top of the Lake was was very well regarded in in te- television circles. Uh, it was from 2013 to 2017, I think. And uh, it was very good. It was a pro- procedural show starring Elizabeth Moss, who was also a very good actress. And uh, But before that, I have not seen any other Jane Campion uh, films. Maybe uh, she now you'd seen this before having us watch it on the show. Yeah, that's why it was my my pick. And I believe this is the reason we're doing Western Month is because you wanted to watch this on the show. You picked Western Month, bro. When did I pick what? No, you picked when before we recorded the last episode. No, we were talking about what our themes were. And you were like, oh, we could do Westerns. And I was like, I got a good movie no, for Westerns. No, you said, do you want to do Westerns? And I was like, sure, I could I could watch no, Tombstone may- again. See, how, how is it every time? It's always that... your fault, Mark. I don't no, know. If you... Right, exactly. There we go. Okay, good. You realize. All right. All right. I don't remember picking Westerns. I remember you picking Westerns. But I don't have a problem with it because I like Westerns. Def- Same uh, way. <laughs> I like a handful of Westerns. You like Tombstone. I like Tombstone, Unforgiven, 310 to Yuma. Um, that's about it. Back to the Future 3. Yeah, I like Back to the Future 3. That's the best Back to the Future. Uh, that is false. Did we already? That, I'm having deja vu. Did we do this already? I don't know. Where you said that oops. Back to the Future 3 was the best one? It is the best oh. one. It's not, de- it's not debatable. We're not it, here to debate oh, that. What? We're not here. It's not debatable. It's one thing to have a hot take. It's another thing to say it's not debatable. It's, I mean, when you're wrong and I'm right, it's Two not debatable. Is... It's Western Month. <laughs> it's not Back to the Future. Okay. So. Uh, uh, the IMDb synopsis for this movie is charismatic rancher Phil Burbank inspires fear and awe in those around him. When his brother brings home a new wife and her son, Phil torments them until he finds himself exposed to the possibility of love. 
That I don't. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> wow. I don't think I don't think me and IMDb watched now, the same movie. But when I the synopsis on Netflix was like basically the first half, charismatic rancher inspires fear and in those around him, and you know, uh, uh, Phil torments them, and then it says until a, a secret, a, a a secret comes out, which is maybe a little bit more descriptive of this. Now. While I was watching this, I actually sort of was reminded of Pig a lot, mostly because of how much it defied expectations as to what I thought I was going to get and what I got. Right. Um, because, again, Benedict Cumberpatch is the best thing about the movie. And the first half of the movie, or more, he's this intimidating, brooding, larger-than-life Western character that... I'm thinking it's going to shoot up the saloon and be a horrible person and just, you know, and he has a particular presence about him. I don't know if you notice, like when he's walking around the house, his footsteps uh, land harder than everyone else's. There's just something that uh, Jane Campion has done a great job of sort of in the first part of the movie, making him sort of this mythical character in a lot of ways. And I, I thought that was really well done. Um, yeah, he he is a... So the first half of this movie, and a certain part in the movie, the like the expectations of what you're watching change. And the first half, it's it's almost but then, horror-esque. But then it changes it's, into... Like when my expectations changed later on in the film... They changed to another set of incorrect expectations. Right. Yeah. Right. And so uh, the first time I watched this movie, I'm watching it and I'm like, wow. You know, it's like, you know, the first half of the movie, you're you're gearing up like, hey, this this is the big bad dude. And, you know, he torments every like he's he is a a, a villain. Yeah. Um, but so. Okay, so but hold on, okay, well, hold right, on. Right. He's he's he is he is portrayed as the villain in the first half. Uh, yes, a good a good hour in this movie. He's portrayed as the villain. But the things that he does that are villainous are really just passive aggressive. He's more of a dick. Like he's not. Okay, so there's a scene where one of the characters gets a rabbit, and I'm like, okay, Benedict Cumberbatch is gonna murder this guy's pet. And it doesn't happen. And I'm like, oh, like he's really just annoying more than anything. Like she's trying to learn piano at one point. Kirsten Dunst's character. And he's upstairs. She's not learning piano. She's she plays the piano. Well, she's trying, she's trying to practice. To, she's trying to learn a song. Right. And then he's um, upstairs just slaying it on the banjo. And this pisses her off. And I mean, that's about his. I mean, the worst thing he does is he kind of bullies the kid a bit. And it's not good guy like good actions on his part but he had like i was expecting way worse out of him like seriously i really thought he was going to kill that rabbit and like just really torture them and he just kind of mentally pushes them around a bit yeah he's abusive he's you know he he's he's even that is verbally and 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 uh psychologically abusive he he drives so uh, Kirsten Dunst plays a uh, like a a bed and breakfast host um, where uh, 
Phil Burbank, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch character. We're going to call him Philber from here on out. Philber. And his brother, um, played by uh, Jesse Plemons. Who's really uh, good. Uh, he has an understated performance that I think is really excellent. Uh, he looked really familiar, and I couldn't place him, but he was in the movie Game Night, where he plays this he's, sort of... He's, he's, a, yeah, he's in a ton of stuff. This creepy neighbor. Um, Jesse Plemons is a fantastic actor. Well, I, I'm, kidding. I'm just pulling from what I've seen, which really the only thing I know off top was the, the Game Night thing, and this is very different. He He has to play a character that is emotionally reserved and then also convey emotion and i think he does a pretty good job of it i i really liked his performance but go ahead yeah i mean he's 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 a fantastic um i don't know to call him a character actor but uh the first thing i saw him in was um what's that tv show that everybody loves uh, who wants to be a millionaire no uh survivor dang what's the um about meth, Shark Tank. The guy cooks, no, the guy that cooks meth, uh, Mr. Rogers. It's Breaking Bad. It's Breaking Bad. Thank you. Why do you just? Uh, <laughs> um, That's why. <laughs> and, so uh, he was in. He was in Breaking Bad um, for a for a good stretch, and that's the first time I ever saw him when I was watching that show. And then afterwards, he he started popping up more and more. And then, you know, every like progressively, he got better roles and that showed more of his range. And and he's he's fantastic. And um, so his real life wife is Kirsten Dunst. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, they are married in real life. I and Kirsten did not know that because they on screen. I would say. And I think it's this is intentional, but they have an awkward chemistry in that I don't really feel it. And and I think it makes sense to me because it it's a very fast marriage. And I don't think they're necessarily that comfortable with each other. (laughs) Like, it's not. I mean, no, I I didn't get that at all. I, I thought that he was. He he's very um, head over heels for. Him. I think yeah, but I'm, I'm talking about they're comfortable. They they felt uncomfortable with one another. The characters where uh, so I, I didn't get that either. I, I, I mean, I mean, he wins like her the, over, the, but the, and and that's just how I felt. And their little no, they, they awkward dance up. on the hill. I think I didn't see that was awkward. No, this at isn't all. a complaint. All right, I'm just but I, saying. But you're 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 saying it was awkward. And I didn't. Think I it was felt awkward. that they're they and rightly so because of the young nature of their relationship wasn't particularly natural yet, and that's fine because it fits the characters. Like when she's unpacking, and he comes upstairs, he doesn't say a word to anybody, and they're like, and she's okay. I guess we'll get ready. To, I mean, it's just I feel like they're rushed into a marriage which is fine because there's no one else around and i think that they're still getting comfortable with each other and the then he's never home montana, by the way huh the movie takes place in montana thank you but then he's never home right and so that again attributes 
to them not really. And then all the time she's like, I don't want to play piano in front of your friends. And he's like, no, I bought a piano now. You're doing it. And there's no, no he invited he invited the governor. Right. And he doesn't ever <laughs> like go, OK, tries to understand her in any way. And I think he definitely loves her, but I don't think he knows how to. And he's very I don't think he's been shown properly how to be married. And I think this it movie, comes across this... on the on the screen. And this is not a critique. It's what I think the characters are doing. <sighs> The the movie is about loneliness. That is that is the un the the unspoken theme of the movie, and it's actually spoken a couple of times because uh, Plemons' character George Burbank tells Kirsten Dunst's character, "I don't want to be alone anymore." It's just nice not to be alone anymore. And that's right. being said uh, because at this okay, so they uh, him and his brother are like cattle ranchers or something but they work for like a rich group of people and but he like mr plemons or whatever his name is he's essentially george burbank yeah he's essentially like the business side and then phil filber is the actual get work done side he actually gets in there with his hands does the castrations herds the cattle he's like the guy who knows cattle yeah and you know they they're they're brothers but they they don't they have a brotherly relationship they it's weird they, it is weird they sleep in the same bed when they're and he gets at, and this is like filber benedict cumberpatch gets lonely when again lonely we've talked about that being alone but he gets lonely when his brother's not there sleeping in the same room with him he can't sleep and right. so when he brings home Kirsten Dunst, that's when he starts getting jealous and angry and everything because he's lonely again. But I kind of, I wondered why he was acting this way. And I... I the movie tells you. Oh, it's well, the, then that it's was the, it. Okay. It's, it's the fifth, it's like the fifth main character in the movie, Bronco Henry. Um you know, Phil Phil is mourning the loss of what's implied as his best friend slash maybe lover. Well, they don't uh, so in, in Bronco Henry, this this larger than than life um rancher who is no longer living. Right. And um But I was thinking there's, that was there's part several of why But there's sev there's several instances throughout the movie that go out of its way to show you that Bronco Henry is this larger, still this larger presence over over everything. Um, you know, uh, Phil Phil talks about him all the time to to other ranch hands. You know, hey, what was what was Bronco Henry like, or did Bronco Henry do this? And he's having to kind of continue to move this guy Bronco Henry's legacy. Um, around and then he keeps his saddle in it in the barn and on a you know kind of on a pedestal with a with a nameplate that says bronco henry and he and he polishes and um you know cleans the saddle uh you know religiously with a with a handkerchief that he keeps on him um you know and then later on in the movie we discover that you know 
Phil's a gay man. Um, or it's implied. We, I mean, it's implied it that is, Phil, Phil is a gay man. Um, and that it's Bronco beyond Henry, implied. It's not. It is beyond implied, it's but it's never. It's never said. stated. There's a right. scene in the woods where Philbert has like a, a what do you call that? Like a scarf or something with Bronco Henry's initials on it. Yeah, it's 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 the one he uses to clean Bronco Henry's saddle. Okay. Well, then he decides and listen. You know, whatever works for you. He goes into the woods and, like, takes his shirt off and then wraps it around himself and then shoves it down his pants and begins to masturbate in one of the With... most ridiculous scenes I've seen in any movie. It's so, no, but like, <laughs> it's but, so no, artsy right. and it's so it is, it's... stupid. Like, are... but why is it stupid? Because of the, okay, because of the tone that the movie is setting. The, the, Counter, at I this point, the, the movie has flipped. The, the movie has flipped at this point. Stop for a second and listen. Because if of the tone. You're about to complain about some stupid shit that doesn't even need I to I have to get about. it out, Mark. That's why Go we're ahead. here. That's this movie. All right, so this scene is, it's, it's what's wrong with it? You asked and then you wouldn't let me answer. What's wrong with it? The tone the scene is setting is this super artsy, like, the music is sweeping and operatic and all some serious business is happening almost like in a religious experience on screen. But what he's doing is jerking it. And when, and I couldn't help but laugh as he's, and it, you know, Hey, we all do it, but he's wrapping this thing around himself and then he shoves it in his pants and it just was hilarious because of the contrast because of what was happening on screen to what the music and the movie was trying to portray in that scene, I found to be polar opposites and a bit silly. But only because the beginning of the movie portrayed Phil Burbank as this monster. No. And now, and, and now we're learning Seth Rogen and he pops it and he's all right, time to time to stuff my shirt in my pants or it's my best friend shirt in my pants. Thanks Paul Rudd. And then, you know that I would have, and that music's playing. It'd be ridiculous. This scene is but ridiculous why, but, in any context. But why is it, no? It, you're. I, I feel like you're dismissing the scene is because it was weird to you. No, um, it's because I told you why. Because the music was playing over it. No, because, it's meant. To, it's meant to portray that this man isn't really a villain. Is is he is so fucking lonely in his life. Okay. That the only respite that he gets respite. Go ahead. Oh, we're not gonna. We're not gonna do it. Nope. We're not gonna do that. Um, you're dismissing. No, the scene I am not this dismissing movie. the scene. You, you are, are dismissing. Me you, what I am you doing. just told me that you laughed. You it's laughed at the scene funny. because it was so over the top. Because it's the not music funny. Is so over the top. There's like not. A, there's nothing comical about it. It's That's unintentional. The no, That's the thing. And then. It, to me, it's okay. It's okay to say that you right, didn't, you didn't you get, get the context a video of, the scene. of anyone in any situation slapping it around, and they you don't shove someone else. See this man slapping pants. it around. He just man, he shoves he, something. Yeah, he and then shoves he starts something to in his pants. up and down. We all know what's okay. happening, Mark. Right? Yes. Okay. It is you're making this a bigger deal than I would have been done talking about this scene by now, but you insist on telling me it's a hinge point in the movie. It, it is one of the most important scenes in this movie. What's more important is what happens immediately afterwards. All this scene tells you is everything they've been alluding to. You've now confirmed. What this scene tells you is that he indeed was lovers with Bronco, 
which is it fine. It doesn't tell you that. It it implies it. He takes it. He has a scarf that literally has BH Bronco Henry right. yes. on it, and he yes. shoves it in his pants. The subtlety yes. is off the charts here. It is implied. It's never stated though. It's never stated. Okay, that's the it's that's the all thing. but it's all but stating it. Implying right. it is everything that's come before, where you can still even if, at if that the time movie, if the movie ever it. came out and but stated after this that scene, Phil Burbank was gay, you can no gay. longer misinterpret whether or not Bronco and him were lovers. After that scene, you now know for certain. That's what the movie is telling you with this scene. It's not out and out having, uh, what's the word? Uh, what's the word for things where they say things out loud? Uh, the plot. Uh, uh, come on, Mark. I know you're mad at me, but come on. I don't know what you're trying yes, to say. You do. Exposition. They didn't have to go, hey, stop, and then show like, okay, what you're taught, like where you go up beyond implying just out and out saying it is like having love letters and having them read them out loud and da 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 but this is all but that. If the movie ever once came out and stated that Phil Burbank was lovers with Bron- this guy Bronco Henry, the film doesn't work. The film stops working. Um, but it's because then it's then it's don't. no longer about loneliness. It's no longer right. about. Um, it's no he longer lost about. Lover. He uh, still mo- be loneliness. It's, no, it's no longer about this this super macho. Um, subversion of of what of of what men were supposed to be at this I time. I disagree with that statement and because even if they out and out say it the reason it still works is because he's a gay man in the west when that is not acceptable he still has to play macho around his ranch hands who uh he has to be this new larger than life bronco style character and I still but think the movie it works. stops working is because the rest of the movie is about him trying to work around the fact that he is now a mentor to another implied homosexual. Okay, I still think it works either way, because in my opinion, they out and out say it here. There's no question in my mind after watching this scene that Bronco and Phil were lovers. To me. Okay. Okay. And the movie still worked, aka or things or whatever. Um, and then so what happens here, and this is where there's a little bit of question in my mind. So the young man that is Kirsten Dunst's son, who Cody is Smith an, McPhee. Huh? Cody Smith McPhee. Thank you. He is um an aspiring surgeon. And remember that bunny I told you about? Well, it does get killed, but not by Phil, but by this young man who opens it up and is practicing surgery. Um, which, with the explanation of him wanting to be a surgeon, makes sense. It doesn't quite come off as disturbing, but it could. Like, at the same time, you know, because he's digging through animal guts. But when you give him the excuse of wanting to be a surgeon, it kind of takes the edge off, right? Sure. Yeah. <sighs> Mark, you're so mad at me. No, I, just, I didn't like I, one I, scene. I, no, I, you dismissed the I did scene. Not dismiss and I, that's what I did scene. not like. It. How did I? You dismiss said you it? laughed and thought it was comical. And that's not what the that's not even that's not what, what the, the film was trying to do. I agree. 
but it's what happened. It's the emotional reaction I had to that scene. And then you said that you would have felt better if it was Seth Rogen no, I jerking didn't. off to Paul Rudd. I said it would have had the same comedic value. Actually, it may have less had because I would expect comedy out of those two. This scene was not comedic, though. I know. But would you have a guy masturbating? You got to look in, in the, the mirror woods? then. You got to look in the mirror and, and figure out what, what no, is funny and what's I told you. Okay. You ever see 30 year old virgin, 40 year old virgin? Yeah. Yes, you have. You had to have, right? Yes, okay. I have. So you yes. know the scene where he's going to masturbate and he's, the music's playing and it's super serious or romantic and he's making his bed and he's lighting the candles? That's what this is. Unintentionally so. Masturbating is funny, okay? And when you have it in a movie and it's done in this way where he shoves a guy's shirt down his pants, that's funny. And when you have the music playing over it, like it's some sort of piece of great art, just this scene, I'm not critiquing the rest of the film, it's funny. Whether it's intentional or not, I found it funny. I'm not dismissing the scene. It's point, it, 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 it tells you specifically, in my opinion, that he is indeed lovers with Bronco, or was the late Bronco, and he still... You know, has this thing, that smell that reminds him of him. And then he, whoop, you know, right down the trousers. <sighs> the scene is, is Phil Burbank laying by the river or body of water, wherever they're at. No, he's hiding and, because he has to hide from his crew who's actually right. down by the river. Right. And he, what I imagine is a natural thing for him to do uh, is probably his spot. Um, you know, uh, Cody Smith McPhee's character while Phil is, is laying by the river uh, discovers nearby kind of this like alcove of uh, now, did he bring it with him? No, I did. I think that's the spot where he keeps all of his homosexual stuff. Um, well, no. So here's where I kind of was interested in this, because they, unlike Phil, they never out and out say that this young man is gay or not. And I wonder if the character has found this. Um, it's like pictures of uh, masculine statues. And um, I guess what you would have early jack off material in this day Um and it's I got don't Bronco know Henry's name on the top of the of the magazine. Oh, it did. Yeah. Oh, so that's the thing. It, His name was written on the top of the magazine. So this material is Bronco Henry's. Well, and and therein fills. Right. Yes. Okay. So that's what I was wondering because I, I'm wondering if now at this point there's been a scene. So the the psychological games that Phil is playing on. Kirsten Dunst are working to the point where she is falling into alcoholism and you find out that they have a late uh, that her husband is passed um, presumably by suicide uh, they tell you suicide but then once you get to the end of the movie you start to wonder mm, was it and um, there's a point where she like says something and he in the young what's the character's name the the uh, the boy. 
Oh, Peter, Peter. Gordon. I should have known that because it was Mary Jane calling him Peter. Um, she, he says, you don't have to do this. And they don't say what. I watched it several times because I was trying to figure out what it was. And after the ending, I went back because this felt like a pivotal scene. You don't have to do it. I'll make sure you don't have to do it. And then he immediately, you see him looking at some medical books. So you have this scene where now, as you've said, he finds this adult material. And then he goes and he sees a naked uh, Benedict Cumberpatch bathing in the water, presumably after defiling a towel. Right. And then he chases him off into the woods and it cuts. And we kind of and I wonder what happened after it cut, because I'm wondering if by finding this material. He has realized that Phil is a gay man and is now going to use that, as we'll see. And I don't want to spoil too much, but hopefully you've seen the movie at this point to then manipulate Phil into doing the rest of his actions for the movie. And whether so, or not. So I, my question is, is Peter actually gay or is he playing off of that to get in the good graces of Phil. I, th I think before there's a certain scene where Peter is telling his mom, Kirsten Dunst about a, a, a friend that he met or he made in college. Mm -hmm. um, and they call each other, you know, doctor or lawyer or whatever. Right. Cause that's what they want to be. Um, I think that's the movie's, uh, major implication. That is that, an implication. I will agree. Yeah, that is implied, uh, but not and so stated. <laughs> right now, had so he I, had I, a rag that said "professor" or "doctor" on it or whatever, and then went out in the woods and put it in his pants, then we would know for sure. Still implied, but okay. Um, so the the whole movie, Cody Smith McPhee portrays this character as very feminine. Um, uh, you know, I would and, and call Cody's, him. Uh, he, he's. I mean, he's he's tall. Cody Smith McPhee is a certainly is a tall man. Certainly compared he's, to the macho ness around him. I, yeah, I mean, because he makes those paper flowers, yeah. and it's certainly. I mean, he, he's 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 drawing a, a fairy, um, like in early on in the movie in a journal. Um, and his mom comes in and asks him, "Oh, hey, did what did you is draw considered?" This? to be a especially at the time a feminine thing to do but i don't think he portrays a lot of femininity it's just the things he likes are considered feminine back then and he gets made yeah, fun of for well, it it's the and and the way he kind of carries I mean, himself he does origami and draws pictures i mean i just don't think that that's <laughs> but the origami he's doing is is creation of of paper flowers yeah there's nothing um, wrong with that not that. No, okay, I'm hold up. Wait, there's nothing wrong. I, I, don't that could be taken the wrong way. Edit that out. Thank you. What that you no, like? There's nothing. Origami flowers. No, there's nothing. I, I, the I what I didn't. I don't understand. What I there's nothing wrong either way. Right. The movie. In the movie, Cody Smith McPhee portrays this character as feminine. That I don't. I don't think that's debatable. 
Um, Here we go again. He, Anytime you want to say something wrong, ca- you follow I, it up with that's not debatable. And then I he carries himself as a feminine on. man. He, you know, he. I don't think especially so. considering the time, the time considering this movie the time is set certainly. in the the and the location that the movie is set in Montana, Montana. It he carries himself as feminine. He, that he and he tells his 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 mom at some point in the movie that you know him and this this friend that he's made in college they just they they just get each other you know sure um and so also could be a made up friend because he doesn't know how to make them right they're not paper flowers um oh yeah okay well he takes one of these paper flowers to his father's grave and then like so and then after he gets like early on in the movie gets verbally abused by Phil he goes outside and does some hula hoop right these these are all and, oh, and this is what this go. movie is doing it, it's it's implying certain things without stating it and allowing the viewer to draw their own conclusions so what now, was your conclusion after Phil went into the woods with a paper towel with someone else's initials on it and some KY and shoved them down his pants. That he's in love with while, Bronco Henry. While Baroque music was playing. Okay. That's 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 what I got from from that scene. And and it while it wasn't stated, it was heavily implied that him and this man had a relationship. A romantic relationship. And so um, you know, he's trying to gr- I, I maybe grieve still it's it's never said when bronco henry died or or anything or what he died of anthrax i think maybe it was mm, i might have i, I just early on in the old mo- age people just die young uh, oh it no the, you may be right though because scene, it was the cow it was the cow that right. they come across that's dead and the, the guy says oh it's probably anthrax it could totally be because um phil is very careful and they say this in the movie not to work around diseased animals and things like that. And maybe that's because Bronco died doing not being as careful or something. I don't know, but that's all. That's not even applied. That's just us reading into it. So throughout the movie, uh, Kirsten Dunst's character kind of sees Phil for what he's portrayed as uh, and what in like the, the perception that he's this villain. And she sees him at like face value. She sees him as that um, is because that's what he's portraying uh, th- to her through. Most and that's of this all movie. she ever sees. Right. And she never um, comes around to him. No. And the even when even when uh, her son, Peter, is now getting close to Phil. So, yeah, after this, this scene where he sees benedict cumberpatch naked and they run off and we don't know exactly what happens the relationship has pretty much changed considerably because very shortly maybe even the next scene uh peter's coming out of the woods and phil stops him and tells him hey we're making this rope i'm going to teach you some things i know it can get lonely out here and he takes a very mentor approach towards peter which peter accepts and I, 
at this point in the movie, I'm still thinking Benedict Cumberbatch is the villain, right? And so I'm wondering, right. okay, what's he up to? Did you ever think that their relationship was going to turn romantic? I would have been uncomfortable. I thought it could have. I only would have been uncomfortable with it because of the age difference where, I, you know, Benedict Cumberpatch is like in his 40s in this movie and this young man's 19, 20, and it, it kind of would have felt, um, yeah, that's too big of an age gap. No matter what, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it kind of would have felt creepy to me. Where Well, the, and, and the only reason I ask is, is because the movie chugs along and so i took it is leaving is leaving that implication up to you up to a point um so here's where my expectations changed right is when they go out and they're having like lunch under a tree or whatever after doing some work and they have a discussion they talk about the trauma in peter's life and phil talks about you know kind of open they both open up to each other a little bit and to me the movie started to change where i'm like okay maybe this movie's going to be a and i got kind of excited because i thought it was a cool idea and i haven't seen it in any kind of film before where he's going to be a gay man in the west where he pretty much has to remain closeted talking to someone who may also be gay and teaching him how to deal with the struggles that only Phil would understand. And I, I, and to them to have this mentor relationship, I thought could have made a very cool and interesting movie that would, as me as a straight guy, I could watch and maybe gain an understanding of what it's like to deal with those persecutions and those prejudices. And I thought maybe that's where the film was going. And I think, and that's why with the that end, film would have been possible. Yes, had had Peter not had. I other think that was motives, right? And I think that was Phil's intention at this point. Yeah, where maybe because the thing is, is when the when Peter stumbles upon Phil bathing, Peter just kind of stares, and that's why I wonder when they get off into the woods and it cuts and you don't see anything. I wonder if a discussion was had about um, being gay. Or even implied to each other, and that's where an understanding came, where Phil now sees maybe a part of himself in Peter, and he feels like maybe he can help him deal with uh, having to be a closeted gay man. I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I thought that's maybe where the movie was going, and uh, like you said, it could have gone there had there not been more unexpected things to happen in the movie right so in in this in this scene um peter and phil uh attempt to catch a rabbit um and it runs underneath some wood and uh phil tells peter i'll just i'll I'll get it and he starts moving the wood and he ends up cutting his hand and um you know Peter tells him, oh, that's that's pretty deep. And it's never shown, but it's implied that Peter treated Phil's wound. I didn't ever get that. I just saw Phil wrap it up, and that's all he ever did to it. 
And I think that um, Peter just saw that and kept it in the back of his brain. So they... Now, Wallace... They end up going... So he always has skins, like hides, Phil yeah. does, at his house. For, make it, for making rope. Well, not well. They even say that they burn a lot of them. But he's making this rope oh, with right, hide because he he doesn't want he doesn't want um, the Native Americans to get it. The right the Indians even yeah. if they're willing to trade. He's just being right. racist. But um, so some peaceful Native Americans come at, inquire about the hides, and they get turned away and they walk away peacefully. In the house, who this like so this is kind of where. Okay, we'll get into it later. Uh, what happens is is Kirsten Dunst runs outside, says she's the wife of the owner. Take the hides. Doesn't even sell them. Just take them. We're going to burn them anyway. And she gets a pair of gloves and returns and then faints. Because she's basically, she's been an alcoholic, pretty drinking pretty heavily for the past however many weeks. And, and a, lot of the, a lot of her later film uh, drinking habits come from her knowing that Phil or seen Phil and Peter's relationship grow. Yeah. And, and I don't know. Okay. So there's again, more questions come about. And one thing this movie does is a good job of having the right kinds of questions. So I talked about not liking Donnie Darko in the past because it's a movie that just throws everything at the wall and tries to purposefully be cryptic. And then you all have to go on Reddit and figure it out where I think this movie leaves just the right amount of things up to the viewer, but not too many where it becomes a convoluted mess. Um, and I, I don't, I'm wondering if she knows or fears even that her son might be gay. I don't ever I don't. Know. I never got that. Yeah, I, I. I never got that question. Okay. Um. I. I think she's seen the abuse that f the the abuse that Phil laid on her, and then she's seen her son. Yeah. She might still be like up, us. Strike up a friendship. We're thinking, with, hey, something else is going on. He's going to. I. I really, honestly, I think she doesn't want him to become like Phil. Um, you know, she sees Phil's toxic masculinity. And I, she, it's never portrayed to her. Right. And she, and she never perceives it that way. At least I, I didn't see it. Right. That he's a, he's a gay man. He, I mean, he does a good job of closeting himself from everybody. And so nobody else sees what Peter has seen or it's implied that Peter's seen. And so, uh, well, I, and I, I really honestly think that she's, she's worried that he's going to become this toxic masculine character. Yeah. Um, the longer she spins with, with Phil, and I'm and wondering that now, drives her, th if, that drives her alcohol habit. Yeah, and I also wonder, you know, the scene when they're looking at the hills. So there's a thing where he keeps looking at the hills, and all his buddies are like, "What are you looking at? What is Bronco and you always see up there?" He goes, "Only Bronco's ever seen it." And then he takes Phil takes Peter out, and they look at the same mountain, and it's basically immediately. Peter sees the shadows casting that look like a dog on the hills and feels very shocked. Like you saw that right away. And I wonder if that's almost like a, a clue that maybe Peter picked up on 
the possibility that Phil might be gay right away. I don't know. Like he's just really sharp kid, and yeah. and maybe he intuits that. I don't know. Maybe it could be. So Phil is continuing to make this rope for Peter, and he wants to make it before Peter goes back to college. Um, and uh, Peter. It's implied. <laughs> uh, Here we go. Again, it's implied that um, as the movie comes to its conclusion, that Peter. Oh, let me back up. So Phil gets sick. No, you need to back up even more. Phil gets home and he's red hot pissed that all of his hides are gone. Oh, okay, yeah, and. Uh, Peter's like, well, you want to, and and he actually wanted these hides. He wasn't going to burn them. He was using them to finish this rope he's making for this young man. And he's really upset that he won't be able to do it now because this is something that was fighting his loneliness and being able to make this for this young man and showing him how to not be lonely or, or to ranch a little bit imparting some sort of knowledge to him in a way that maybe Bronco did for Phil. And now this, all this stuff is gone and he can't do it. Well, fortunately or unfortunately, uh, Peter has, you've seen earlier in the movie skinned a dead cow that he found and has the hides and he gives them to him as he's going to watch Phil finish this rope. Yeah, and, and uh, it's implied in the in the in the last stages of this film that um, Peter has perhaps no it, done something. I to I don't the hide. think they're implied. I so this is what, it's not stated. It's not stated, dude. Okay, there's a difference between stated and implied. Okay, and and you can still say something as a movie without outright saying it. They don't go, hi, my name's Peter. I've poisoned this. What they do show you is that where he got the calf hide from or the cow hide from, he's a medical professional. He has all the books that he's looked at right after he promised his mother he wouldn't have to do it, air quotes. He brings this uh, hide in, which is now cut up and soaking in water. I don't know much about making ropes, but I guess it's part of the process. Phil, with an open wound on his hand, goes in and messes with the hides while Peter stares at him. And then he makes the rope and they finish it. And then they get where they're sharing a cigarette. And pretty much Peter just comes out and asks him, is like, were you and Bronco lovers? Because he talks about how Bronco saved Phil's life. And he was cold and Phil had to keep him warm. So they laid under the covers body to body. And Peter's like naked. And, you know, by not answering, he all but answers. And then they share the cigarette. Well, the whole time, Peter has a sinister look on his face. So, yeah, and then we and then we see in the last couple scenes of the movie, he's he's handling the rope that uh, 
that Phil made with gloves? Because he knows uh-huh. it's not implied. And like if and the reason I it's not I wouldn't say it's implied or left up to interpretation even is because he's handling that rope with gloves. He knows there's anthrax in that rope. He knows that he knew that when he brought the rope or brought the hide to him. That's been his plan the whole time. And when he dips his hands in and he watches him do it. And when, by the time it's time for uh, uh, Peter to touch the rope himself, he makes sure to wear his gloves. It's it's purpose. He purposefully poisoned and in, in, in infected Phil. It's not implied so, because he stares at the window and watches his mom and her her husband, Phil's brother, and walks away with a smile on his face because he's done his good deed. Now, Mama can live with her her new husband without the harassment of this other guy. And uh, I mean, that's the end of the movie. Definition of implied is suggested, but not directly expressed. But OK, yes, sure. But when. When you this is directly expressed because he's why would he put the gloves on? He has no reason to wear gloves to handle this rope unless he specifically knows what happened. So and I think even um, Phil knew because when he wakes up the next morning sick, maybe he's seen it before. Maybe Bronco did die of this and he sees the rope and he says, where's the boy? But he's too sick to do anything, and they take him into town where he dies. Phil dies. Did we even say that? Phil's dead. Um, Which kind of shocked me a bit, because I thought, and I didn't look at the time, I thought they spent the night together the night before, Phil and Peter. But they don't, that's implied. But it's not also stated. But it's also not shown, so you're not sure. Suggested. Thank you. That's a good way. Which Suggested. Is, which is, is that's what you could use. So, which is implied. Okay, whatever. Um, so, what do we have here? I'm just so now. Here's uh, a, real quick. Here's my one like continuity thing that I can't wrap my head around. Because there's a, in order for this murder plan to work, a lot of things have to go right. He knows he's making the rope, and this sets off the plan. Okay. I can have him use. Maybe he would have used his hide later. I don't know. But it seemed fortuitous that they come home and his mom got rid of the hide. Did she know? Was it part of the plan? I don't know. I think I think Peter's plan was hatched when Phil hurt his hand. Um, but I think I think maybe had... I, mean, I think maybe Peter always wanted to maybe kill Phil. Um, but in that moment, I think that's when he knew, okay, this is how I'm going to do it. He's making this rope. I don't know because for me, I think he planned it when about the halfway point when he's with his mom and she says, you don't need to do it. And then he's looking at his medical textbooks and in there is a picture of a hand. And I think that's implied that that's where the seed of the plan comes in. And right afterwards, he goes and finds the dead cow that he skins. And to me, I mean, I could see where you're saying maybe that's when it was hatched. But to me, the way the movie kind of sets it up is that he's already got this plan in place. And that's what kind of felt weird where, oh, 
she sold the, or got rid of the hides, which set up a chance for Phil to use these poisoned hides. Anyway, or or maybe she got rid of the hides because she knew what that would Peter's plan was right. But then she would have to the the Native Americans coming on the property would be fortuitous then. But I guess they always knew. I don't know. Maybe it works. It's not a big deal. It just kind of felt like my brain was like, well, that's pretty lucky. So uh, the power of the dog gets, I mean, the title comes from, and we see the title in the movie pop up in the last scene of the movie. They could have done without this, but I guess uh, you got to call it the power I of mean, the dog I thought it, was, I thought it, it, it Well, I mean, it, it, it kind of sums up the entire movie. Because it's a it's a scripture from the Bible, and um, I looked it up. It's Psalm twenty two, uh, verse twenty, where it says, "Deliver my soul." And the, and the movie shows you the verse. It says, "Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling, from the power of the dog." Um, that's his mom. You know, that's what it's implied. It's you know he delivered his mom from Phil. Uh, you know, and. I think that's that's what the movie is saying is that this everything was always about the mom for Peter. Um, he saw Peter saw his mom and her alcoholism. Um, Peter saw the unhappiness, and Peter and his mom started the movie together. Um, she, you know. The first scene of the movie, she comes in in his room and he's he's making, you know, uh, origami flowers. And, you know, she's like, hey, I'm going to need your room. And from that moment on, everything is about the mom. And that's why Kirsten Dunst's performance, I thought, was very, very good in this movie. Is because she is so tormented throughout this film, um, even when Phil's not there. She continues to be tormented is because she's in the house that Phil is in. Uh, you know, she's on the she's on the ranch that Phil is on. Well, there's a lot of uh, scenes where he's almost like a specter in the background. When, like I said, his footsteps hit harder and are louder than everyone else's. So there's always a constant reminder that he's in the house. There's a scene where they're in the bedroom, uh, uh, Peter and his mom, and the, the door closes. And she knows by the sound the door makes that that's Phil. Yeah. He, he's a, he's a, he's a larger than life character. It makes in his me own right. So here's the, here's another thing we can get into. What happened to his dad, Peter's dad? Well, uh, Peter tells Phil that he hung himself. Yeah. That's what Peter says. Right. But I don't think so because I think, and I wonder, and again, now this is totally up to interpretation. It doesn't say one way or the other. But that he, the dad, may have been abusive towards Peter and his mother. And there's a scene where they're talking about she hates the sound that the, the, the he, one of his nervous tics, Peter, is this comb that he rakes his thumb across. And she says, I hate it when you do that. Or, or that sound just makes me anxious. And it's almost like the sound of a, a noose or something, like stringing up. And I wonder if he, that she had to do something 
to get out of that relationship and maybe with the help of her son or not, I don't know, kill him. And this is what kind of affected her. And then he said, you won't have to do it. Where there's already been a murder that these two are aware of. That now he's saying, I'm going to take care of this one because you did the other one, maybe to protect me. And it's now his turn. And so the power of the dog isn't just Phil, but maybe a previously abusive relationship. Yeah, I don't know. That's a lot. <laughs> I don't think That's he's a... that broken up about his dad being dead. No, but we also don't know how long ago that was. And, you know, and and Peter never, the character of Peter never shows a whole lot of emotion. Well, he's a sociopath, I think. Right. Yeah. No, I think that that's implied. Um, uh, yes. <laughs> and, you she know, never stated he, it's suggested. And um, I, I think that he's the while the movie does have give hints to what happened in the past. It never focuses on that because it's always about Phil. Everything revolves in this movie. Everything revolves around Phil. And, uh, you know, his gravitational pull for everybody uh, is like it's massive. Everything happens in this movie is because Phil does something, um, you know, until the end where we find out that Peter did something to Phil. And um, and that's where the movie, I guess, concludes itself is that, yeah, even though Phil was this such large force in this movie um it took a larger force although unseen and not really stated but i would say that on the second watch because i watched when i first watched this movie i had the same reaction as you midway through and at the end i was kind of you know just just struck with like oh phil's dead and watching the movie a second time knowing how the movie ends and then knowing that Bronco Henry is such is is this large, you know, unseen character, it kind of made it it what am I trying to say? It it made me see it differently. Um because I knew it was coming and so I could I could hone in on Peter's uh or Cody Smith McPhee's portrayal of Peter and what what were the the what was the the clues that were he was laying throughout the movie and um and that's why i think it was a better watch the second time is because there's so many things that you don't pick up on the first viewing to get around to a second viewing you're like oh yeah okay now i get it now i get where that that conversation plays a larger part you know in the movie um you know that that mere mention of of anthrax or you know the mention of the the cowhides you know i see where that comes into play and and i just um this movie's gonna win best picture uh at the academy awards here in a couple months um and i i i I think in my opinion it's it's very deserving uh this is a very artistic film while also being very smart um in in its portrayal of the characters and the story and how it uh, subverts your expectations going in. And then, you know, um, 
Benedict Cumberbatch is probably going to be your best actor yeah. at the Academy Awards. Yeah, as someone who's notably not put doesn't put a lot of stake in the Oscars, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch certainly would deserve. Uh, or I would not argue the fact if he were given one, I would be like, oh yeah, totally. Unlike Foxcatcher, which gave Best Supporting Actor to Steve Carell and that hunk of garbage. So, um, and I don't, I haven't watched enough movies to know what the best movie this year was. So, uh, it did. I'd like the movie. But there's part of me that's just like a little not liking it, mostly because it drags at points. Um, it's also the music is really loud, um, like in comparison to the the tone of the film. It's just kind of it, it to raise the tension. The, the music kind of uncomfortably loud at points, um, not as bad as like uncut gyms but so like when peter's around he has this violent sort of intensity score behind like what he's doing and i like that that there's a theme to it but i just kind of was like it got on my nerves and not in a good way which nothing anytime a movie's trying to annoy you it annoys me but not in the way they want i think benedict cumberpatch blows everyone else out of the water it's just a lot of dead air <laughs> to me. It kind of creeps at points where I was like, all right, if I'm going to get through this, I need something to distract me. And, but it finishes extremely strong. And when I was done with it, I had to spend a lot of time thinking about it in a good way. Uh, whereas some movies where I just, I'm done watching them like Annihilation. I'm like, God, that was awful. Uh, where this I've finished watching, I was thinking about it in a good way of maybe that guy was, what happened to their dad? I don't know. Seems like their dad might, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, so I had my brain going in a good way. Yeah. I've, and the I've, ending threw me for a loop. I was not ready for Phil to be murdered. I, I did not I, see that I love this movie. I, I think, uh, I mean, I, I put on, put on Twitter that it was, you know, one of the best movies I saw that, you know, in the past year, um, it from from the the directing to the cinematography to I mean, the cinematography is off the charts in this movie. Um, it's beautiful. The just the landscape alone is beautiful, and I can see why they chose New Zealand um, to shoot this movie, it, even though it was set in Montana. Is because if had you not known it was New Zealand. You probably would have thought, "Wow, this is a very picturesque Montana backdrop." Um, but uh, the, the acting—I um, thought Kirsten Dunst was was pretty phenomenal in in her role. Um, I, I, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch is is superb. It, it, this movie uh, just left me like kind of in awe the first time I saw it like I watched it and almost and I, I sat after the movie and I'm like damn that's a great fucking movie and you know uh, I, I felt that way about Pig um, and it's not often that I f after a movie I'm just like holy shit that was a good movie and now had you watched this before all the Oscar hype had I watched, I watched it when it came out. It came out in okay, so there um, wasn't already like a no, buzz November around it. or whatever. Yeah, um, 
it's uh, I mean I'm I'm very plugged into what Ooh. what is getting talked about as far as like Oscar hype, um, and so this movie, this director, uh, you know, just everything about this movie, um, screamed like I saw the trailer back six months ago, and you know it played at uh, Sundance and a lot of the film festival circuits, and that th- which is usually you know the the starting ground for. Oscar hopefuls uh, in film, but um, so I I already knew before I saw this movie that this is likely a contender for a awards for uh, for film. But to me, when you watch a good movie, you automatically know it. Like you, I mean, you don't need a definition to tell you what a good movie is. Um, you just you just know you what you just watched. Anybody else watching it will go, yeah, that was a really good movie. Um, and I think that's the case here. I, I don't think that anybody that watches it, now you could say, oh, I didn't like the ending, or I, you know, I didn't like how it, the tone changed, you know, midway through the movie. I just don't think that anybody can say, you know, with actual cause that this film isn't good. It's not, it's not, it's well made, it's, it's well acted, uh, it's well written. Um, I didn't really pay attention to the score so much, uh, you know, so I can't really speak on if I thought the, the music was overly loud or, or anything. Um, but I, man, I, I, I love this movie. Um, and, and that's why when you, when you said you took this scene as comical, it's like, <laughs> you sounded offended. I was offended. It's just, um, it's just, it's okay, man. It's just a movie. It's just a movie. I'm allowed to not like that scene. But no, so uh, I recommend this movie. Do you recommend this movie? I'm like on the fence because there are definitely, yeah, I recommend it. I mean, it's worth watching. I don't regret watching it by any means. I'm on the fence with sort of the tone a little bit is kind of that artsy thing that I just don't like. It feels a touch pretentious. But the movie delivers a competent story in a really good way with incredible performances, as you said. So I do think it's definitely worth watching. I think it it has a pinky in its own butt. Maybe not its whole head, but just a little bit. I, I don't understand how you could say that. Um, because of the tone and the, the music and the way it's like drumming sort of this. I can't fully put it into words but there is something about oscar bait movies where there's a tone that's like look how serious we are look at what we're making we're doing it aren't we and i i just and i got that a little bit here just and but again i knew going in that this was oscar bait because you said it was or you said it would be an oscar or up for whatever i saw it on your twitter gram i just just I did just a little bit. Just a little bit. I, I I I didn't get that at all. I thought that the film um never portrayed itself as as, you know, more serious than it should have been. Um fair enough. Or, you know, more anything than I I just I felt like the the film is so well made that, you know, by that necessity is it's going to it's going to get the awards. Yeah. I think um, for me as like if I think back to 
uh, can you ever forgive me in this? There is a difference in that tone. And granted, they're completely different movies. But I feel like can you ever forgive me is a, 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 I don't want to go too deep into it because I can't prove it or back it up with anything other than to say it feels a little pretentious. Whereas can you ever forgive me did not. It felt like it had a story it wanted to tell. And he's like, boom, there's the story. I hope you like it, but if not, okay, fine. And whereas this felt like it hit certain notes, and I, I, I really keep coming back to the score and really the pacing. Uh, a lot of, like, Oscar bait tends to pace kind of slow, um, and that's kind of how this felt to me. It just paced a little slower than I would have liked, but at the same time, I, I don't have a ton of complaints. I mean... Because what's there is good. It's just, I know. So what are we watching next week? I don't know. We're watching Bone Tomahawk, man. We're watching a movie with cowboys in the West fighting zombies, I think. I think it's zombies. I don't know. Some sort of horror. I heard that this is like a super violent movie. So prepare your butthole for that. Um, It stars Kurt Russell. It's got uh, quite the cast in it. Um, it's got a 91% of Rotten Tomatoes uh, hey okay. listen for what it's worth again I don't put a lot into Rotten Tomatoes but it's got Matthew Fox from Lost David Arquette from being uh, nearly killed in a wrestling ring uh, so we can do Wrestler's Corner that week because technically David Arquette is a wrestler uh, and uh, I think that's about uh, about it I guess uh, Richard Jenkins who I mostly know as the dad uh, Dale Duback not Dale Mr. Doback from Step Brothers, you like Step Brothers? That's a good God, you you shit on everybody. No, I don't. <laughs> I like him. I just said I like him. But you you <laughs> named probably his worst film. What are you? Okay. Oh, Step Brothers is his worst film. Yeah, let's go through the man's. No, filmography. oh, we're not going to go first through. First off, Step Brothers but... is not a bad film. At all. It's a modern piece of comic mastery. I said his worst film. It's not his it worst was a bad film. film. There are plenty worse. Anyways. Hall Pass. He was in Hall Pass. There's no way. Richard, Richard Jenkins. You think is Hall Pass is better all right. than Step Brothers? No, it's not. No, it's not better. Okay. Than Step Done. Fun with Dick and Jane. You ever seen that? Uh, yeah. No, he was fine in that movie. Yeah, but was the movie good? No. I like Jim Carrey. Sure. I like Jim Carrey, but that's not a good Jim Carrey. How many people have you run to? What's your favorite Jim Carrey movie? Oh, Fun with Dick and Jane. Name one funny thing in that movie. Uh Oh, in um what's her face? Mm. Um What's what's the uh Very the, memorable. No, no, no. What what is her name? It's the actress. The lady who's always in movies that no one ever can remember. Yeah, but what's her name? Exactly. Her name Anyways. is uh, Tia Leone. Yeah, Tia Leone. Um, she turns to to Jim Carrey. They're in the car, and she goes, "We're in a bit of a pickle, Dick." Classic <laughs> <Because> comedy. <laughs> because, I mean, it's just I, that's that's the scene that's uh, always stands out to me when I when I see or hear that movie. I'm just like, "Oh, that's a classic line." <sighs> We're in a bit of a pickle, Dick. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm so looking uh, forward to Bone Tomahawk. Just like a, 
a movie that is pure there for you to be entertained. Aren't you excited, Mark? Yeah, I've never seen it. So I'm, it's it's got it's got good good ratings. It's got a good uh, uh, likable cast. Um, it's a genre blend, so that's cool. Um, Happens in the West, and it's the Old West. Yeah, nobody has a cell phone like in next like the week followings movie. Where everybody did you watch the tra- did you watch no the trailer I watched for... the trailer I'm going in blind I'm just saying they've got oh, cell okay. phones. Oh okay. Do they? I don't know. Probably. I I can't wait to talk about that movie. <laughs> Well, I can't wait. I can't wait to be offended by some buffoonery. That, that you was not say buffoonery. I on... li- okay. All right. Let's take a breath. <sighs> <laughs> you ever listen to LeVar Burton's podcast? No, it's pretty good. He takes a deep <laughs> breath before he starts reading a story. It's quite relaxing. And I think you could use an episode of LeVar Burton reads on your favorite podcast app. Um, is that the name of the podcast? Yeah, it's quite good. He reads LeVar Burton reads. LeVar Burton reads. He reads a piece of short okay. fiction. It's quite good. Okay. And he goes, before we begin, let's take a deep breath. And I always do. I take a deep breath along with LeVar Burton, uh, who's great. Maybe we'll have LeVar Burton month, which I think would just be all Star Trek <laughs> movies, <Right>. sadly, um, <laughs> or Roots. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, Twitter, if you want to, you could get on there. I mean, if you could help me describe, uh, uh I don't know. Uh, get at us at a movie, at movie draft anymore. house. Mark's on there. Uh, He's at, I heard you liked. You can, and you, you can, you can tell Jeff to not laugh at the serious things. Listen, I, I wonder if this is, if it's, if it's on YouTube. Like, if you don't want to sit through the whole movie, whatever. It's a good movie. You can sit through it. But watch it and let me know what you think. Take that scene, show it to a friend, and they'll be like, what the hell are you showing me? Whose shirt is that? Yeah, I I don't know if I would, like, go in blind like that. I think you should show it out of context. (laughs) I think at your next holiday dinner, which is a year away, you should have it, like, spliced into the middle of your favorite Christmas film. So you're watching Miracle on 34th Street and then just in the middle of the movie, Benedict Cumberpatch is in the woods shoving laundry in his pants. And then it cuts back to the rest of the film. And you shouldn't even tell your parents what happened. Just act like that scene's always been in the movie. Someone do that, please. It's my favorite elf scene. Elf? Elf's a comedy. Yeah. It would work. It wouldn't. I think it needs to be in the middle of a serious. Maybe. Love Actually. Yeah. They, well, Love Actually is kind of a comedy. I, I love that movie. It's a great movie. I'm thinking, you know, so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe the Santa Claus. Put it in there. Oh, God. Die Hard. You think Die Hard's a Christmas movie? Uh, it is in the traditional aspect. In the traditional aspect. In that it takes yeah. place at Christmas. Absolutely. Does he learn a Christmas lesson? Uh, I, I would say he does. That's unfair, um, I guess, because Santa Slay, starring Bill Goldberg as a murderous Santa. That's right. Wrestler Bill Goldberg is a murderous Santa. Uh, also is a Christmas <laughs> film. I thought we're just delaying the inevitable. I, 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 I feel weird and off put at this point because um, 
I don't know why. I if you want to if you want to get at Jeff on Twitter, it's uh, podcast by uh, yeah, Jeff. Yeah, go ahead. Um, music this month. Yeah, the music music this month is brought to you by the the artist uh, Mason Pace with the song King of Hearts. Uh, so make sure you throw him some love. And uh, we'll be back next week with our review of Bone Tomahawk. Bone Tomahawk. Bye. to me.